Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Norris. The way John Maxwell says it, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And when you really let that come to heart, what that tells you is without a shadow of a doubt, whether you're talking about Tom Ziegler or Zig Ziegler or Julie or Lori or the drug dealer on the corner or the President of the United States or the King of Prussia, leadership is influence. It's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not a guarantee of wealth. It's influence. And if you're doing leadership for the fame or the fortune or the income, you lose. If you're doing leadership because you intend to influence others for the benefit of others, you win every time, regardless. And here's one thing that I noticed about the Marvel comics when it comes to leadership. And four of the lessons that I want to teach you today are lessons that, sadly enough, at my age, ripe old age, I, and I'm going to share with you, um, I've heard these lessons taught dozens and dozens of times, but how many of you are like me that you hear a lesson, and then you hear it again, and then you hear it again, and then you whip it, and you go, oh, that's what they meant by that. Am I the only one? So as you live through these experiences, I think you'll resonate with them. One of the comments has these, um, see, what do you call them? Some people call them Easter eggs. They're little foretelling ideas that when you hear the idea, you think, I'm probably going to hear that again somewhere. Or you see it, and then you realize, Oh, they were foreshadowing that notion there. How many of you know who can pick up Thor's hammer? Well, Captain Thor and Captain America. And there's one other. No, there's three people who can pick up Thor's hammer. Hulk can't do it. Iron Man can't do it. None of the other superheroes can do it. Thor could do it. Why? What is it about Thor that makes Thor capable of picking up Thor's hammer? And and was it always true? That's part of it. It was his character. It's his character. It was the moral fiber that had to be laid in him. His daddy wouldn't give him the power of that hammer until his character, his moral fiber, was up to the task. But see, Captain America became Captain America because of his moral fiber, because of his integrity, because of his character. And so when all of these other mighty men tried to pick that, that Thor's hammer up off the table, none of them had the power to do it without the power of character. And yet... Captain Marvel and Captain America, whose character was pure, were able to pick it up. One of my favorite lines in Captain Marvel is when she's been through this whole battle and this digital controller that's mess, messing with her life, looks at her and says, don't you understand all the power you have we gave to you? Honey, you are nothing but a human. And I thought, yes! Because that's what we are. Am I right? But see, the angels marvel. The angels dig through the scriptures looking for the opportunity. But one-third of the angels were cast out of heaven and lost the authority. It didn't mean they lost the power. But they lost the authority of heaven. Two-thirds of those angels still remain in heaven. And they have both power and authority that's delegated or assigned to them. 
Here's what they don't have, and they never will have, that only you have. Redemption. See, redemption tells us that it's not about the character you have, but the character that's given to you. It's not about what you're able to accomplish, but what's been accomplished for you. It's not about what you have done, but the transformation taking place in you. And so you have, through redemption, through salvation, through the power of the cross, you have the power of Thor's hammer. You've been empowered to do what angels can't do. Angels will never be born again. Angels may have their own spiritual power. They cannot be filled with the Spirit of God. It can't be done. It can't be done. You have. You can be. See, in, in Mark chapter 4, there's a question that's asked. Mark 4.10. It says, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And probably the biggest but in the universe. <coughs> but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, without speculating who he's talking to, I want to go back to my original question. How many of you have heard something taught thousands of times, dozens of times, perhaps a couple of times, and thought, I don't get it? Until you look through it, and you're like, I get it. And see, the parable is the expression of the story of life that we live through and the lesson we learn on the other side of it. The parable is that story that says this is a real-life experience, not just a platitude that I'm teaching. It's not just a notion. It's not just an idea. So there are four things that I've learned in the course of my life existence that, honestly, as I look back on them now, I realize... Can I move this? Is it okay to reposition it just a little bit? I realize that over time, I now can look back and go, I think I heard that first from... But I didn't realize when I heard it how important it was. So here's the very first one, first lesson of four leadership lessons that I learned, and that is you have to pedal on the downhill. I am not a cyclist unless it's powered. I love my motorcycle. I love going on long rides. Even the ones when my wife's like, too many bugs, not going on that ride in the dark, not gonna happen. We can tool around the neighborhood, she's fine, but we get up the highway speed, she's terrified, so I just leave her at home and go for a long ride on my own. <laughs> you don't pedal on one of those. But how many of you have been on a bicycle? Maybe it's been a couple of weeks or months or decades, but you've been on a bicycle. <clears throat> and as you're pedaling along a flat ground, you realize this is getting harder and harder and harder, and you what you don't realize until you look behind you is that you've been on a gradual incline the whole time. Anybody? And then you get to that place where you realize suddenly it's getting easier and easier and easier. And so you coast and you just stick your feet out of your freewheel for a while and you enjoy that ride for a while and then suddenly you start losing your ability to freewheel. And you've got to dig back in and you got to lean in and you really got to grind on that pedal, right? How many of you though realize that what we're really talking about on pedaling in the downhill is realizing that when life seems really easy, leaders don't coast. We don't get to the end of the year and say the sales cycle is nearly over. It's almost Christmas time. We should back off a little bit and just plan for vacation. 
We don't do that, do we? I mean, you're in the headquarters of one of the leading sales organizations on the planet. Do we back off at Thanksgiving and wait for Christmas to go by? Tom, does that happen here? <laughs> None of you want a job. <laughs> go start your life, do it somewhere else. We don't have time for that. Leaders can't coast either. In our relationships, in the effort that we put toward life, in the effort for our sales, and in our own personal development, in our own challenges, in our own growth, as we face the tough times in life, if we coast, what happens? We lose momentum, and when you lose momentum, you lose your balance, and when you lose your balance, you fall. If you want to operate Thor's hammer, pedal on the downhill, it's a character thing. It's a character thing. Here's the next one. Leaders do what must be done. So on this job interview, I walk in, and I'm interviewing for what I <clears throat> was told was a management training position. Anybody ever had one of those management training positions? How many of you know it's not management? <laughs> so the title was glorious, the work was not. And so at 25, right out of the Air Force, I thought it was all that in a bag of chips or two. But I did have one sense of work ethic that had been instilled in me since I was a kid. And I walked in the door, and as I walked around doing the interview, I noticed that somebody had grabbed their plate off the buffet and went, and there was a whole string of macaroni noodles, like in a perfect rainbow on the floor. And I realized that all these kids were running back and forth past that to go to the plate place. And so in the middle of the interview, the guy's walking along and talking, and he stops and turns around, and I'm on my hands, and he's picking up one noodle at a time, going, I do not want those grab in the carpet for whatever reason. Right? And he's like, that's the kind of guy I want working with me. Unfortunately, 19 days later, I was still supposed to be picking up noodles, and I'm like, this is not management training, I'm moving on. <laughs> but leaders do what must be done. Leaders don't ask the question, is that my job title? How many of you have worked with someone else who says, that's not my job description? How many of you fired them? Or let me put that a kind way. Give them another opportunity. <laughs> Freed them up for other opportunities and possibilities. And see, the, the challenge is, as leaders, it's easy to back off and go, but I'm supposed to be in charge. Other people are doing this. I'm delegating that responsibility. I, I love the way John Maxwell says, if you'll operate in your strengths and focus on your strengths and push towards your strengths, what might now, if you were a five or a six, one day you could be a seven or an eight. That's awesome. In fact, if you're an 8 or a 9 now and you push hard enough, you might be able to move that to a 9 or a 10, maybe even an 11. And at that point, you're kind of the Tiger Woods of that thing. You're the best in the world at that thing. He also says, though, hire out or delegate those things that you're not that good at. And the first couple of times I heard that, I struggled with one part of that. If you've got weaknesses and you're farming those out to somebody else, you'll never touch Thor's hammer. And John says, let me be clear on that. Because I asked him on a phone call, and he said, I'm not talking about your character. I'm talking about your skills. If you're weak of character, leaders do what must be done. If that means, you know what, I'm going to hand over the reins for a moment, I need to take some time and go fix me. Right, right. I, I'm not as pure in character as I should be. I'm going to let someone else drive for a minute until I get this right. How many of you know a leader who has been absolutely decimated in their leadership because they couldn't let go of the reins and when crisis hit them they began to lose momentum and lose balance and they felt and it became unrecoverable right see ego will do that to you 
when you feel like you're on the top of the world and you can leave one football team and go to another one and then tell them you're not good enough for me, I'm going to this football team. And what is that old phrase? Pride goes before a fall and all of a sudden you lose your entire NFL career over your ego? Wow, how much was that $30 million contract worth? The worst hammer just got snatched out your hand and smacked on the top of your head. Leaders do what must be done. Number three, this one came to me at 1 a.m. I don't know why, it was very annoying. <laughs> I don't mean 1 a.m. just randomly, I mean 1 a.m. this morning. <laughs> My wife has flat feet, meaning her arches are not supported normally as they should be, which means after a few hours on your feet, she's ready to sit down. And she'd rather sit in the buggy and I can push her around the store than to walk around the store and shop anymore, even if it's something she wants to shop for. We recently had somebody in our life, uh, a client, house guest, and uh, for whatever reason, that back scoliosis, something moves very slow. And I don't mean like old age slow, I just mean like very methodical, very thoughtful. And I'm like, can you please just, Come on already! How many of you have walked through the mall with somebody and you're like, you stop and turn around and wait for them to catch up, and you realize they're stopping too? Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for you, I'm not stopping you, please keep up! But how many of you have led in an organization where you feel like constantly you're going, yeah. See, leaders set the pace, they don't follow the trend. We don't have time for that stuff. We look at life and go, you know what? I got things to do, I got things to get done, and I don't have time to wait for you to catch up. I don't have wait, time to wait for you to get it. I'm gonna keep moving, I hope you stay with me. Right. If nothing else, grab hold of my pant leg and stay as close as you can, but don't fall back. How many of you ever watched any bit of NASCAR? 20 seconds of NASCAR, you'll see what they call drafting. Leaders are pace setters, and everybody else who has any sense at all is drafting. If you're not close enough to the people that are leading you to be drafting, you're not following the pace setter. If you're not close enough to be drafting, they're not having as much influence in your life as they could. If you're not close enough to the pace setter to be drafting, you probably are following the trend. And what happens when you follow the trend? Not everybody's gonna agree with this. It's my opinion, based on my own observations, but here's my opinion. There was a whole lot of gerrymandering that went along with a guy who left the Patriot, left the Steelers and went to the Raiders and came back to the Patriots and now is out of a job. And about 80% of that gerrymandering had to do with, can I build a social media following? Just go back and look at all of his tweets and all of his Instagram posts and all of his Facebook posts and all of the nonsense of, look at me! I'm too good for them, I'm going over here, look at me over here, oh, you're not good enough for me either, I'm going over here, look at me over here. Do you see me? Are you looking at me? Now, honestly, there's some pretty good strategy in that when you realize that that young lady, Kylie Jenner, gets $1.2 million every time she posts on Facebook. As opposed to his $30 million contract to get hit in the head while somebody tries to take the ball away from him. Which one would you rather have? <laughs> I mean, if I can sit on my couch with my feet up and post 30 times and make the same amount of money and not have anybody hunting me down and trying to knock my head off, I'm in. <laughs> Pay me to sit on the couch. Pay me, I'm all over it. That doesn't seem like bad math. Okay, number four. 
So there's a, a conversation that took place between a ship and another, what they thought was an oncoming ship. And the guy picks up the mic and he says, I see your light off my starboard bow, you should change course. And the owner of the other light comes back and says, um, no. <laughs> he said, oh, you, don't, you don't understand, I'm Admiral so-and-so, and you need to change course. And the other light comes back and says, no. He said, no, no, you understand. This is a Nimitz-class destroyer. We're being followed by 40 other U.S. naval ships. We will blow you out of the water. They won't find the pieces. You need to change course. And the other light replies and says, we're the lighthouse. We're not moving. <laughs> now, here's the reality when you're the leader. If you have firm enough foundation, you can stand your ground. As the leader, if you can stand your ground, when everybody else is changing course, when everybody else is telling you you're on the wrong course, you need to change course, when you are standing your ground, here's what I know for a fact. When the storm comes and that ship gets tossed out to sea, and they're standing around going, what just happened? I have moved. I'm right here. I'm in the same place I was when you were running aground. I'm on the same place now when you're out to sea. How many of you ever raised teenagers? <laughs> How heartbreaking is it when you see a parent chase after their teenager to try to bring them back on course? And life goes all awry and they go way out to sea. I mean, way out in the deep end. They're like buoys. I know there are buoys out there somewhere. You're like, no, not out there. There's not. The sharks are leaving. You're in deep, dark, cold, rough water. Yeah. But the lighthouse is in the same place it was before. So I don't care how far out to sea you've gone, find the lighthouse on the horizon and turn your tail around and make it back here. Leaders who allow their organization, whether you're talking about the size of their family, the size of a ministry, or the size of a corporate entity, leaders who will not stand their ground on their moral values lose the authority of Thor's hammer. They lose the ability to have that moral character that says, this is my ground. Chick-fil-A? Home Depot? This is my ground. Go out and see all you want. Go have your own little storm all you want. Get caught up in the hurricane and blown up out of the harbor all you want to. This is my ground. Now again, all of these lessons I've heard taught all of my life. Keep your momentum so you don't lose your balance and lose your place. Do what must be done. Forget about who the job title it is. Forget about the job description. Forget about whether or not you, quote, get paid to do that. Just get done what must be done. I shoot my own videos. I actually carry around a backpack that has enough stuff to do an interview with four people. With a multi-camera shoot and multi-editing, and I almost never go anywhere without that backpack. Maybe if I'm on the motorcycle, I'll leave it behind. Because I get these random opportunities. I had one last week with a multi-millionaire. She was a millionaire before she was 40 years old. And I was sitting in a three-day class, signed up for an extremely expensive coaching program. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. God's going to have to do that. <laughs> and I told people, and I told her, and I've said it right here on Facebook Live, and I said it in front of her face while we were on the camera because she granted me an interview. I said, we only agree about 60% on what you teach. 40% of it? I'm a lighthouse. I'm staying right here. She said, I would love for you to come to our offices in Reno and do a full one hour interview with me. 
because I love the questions you ask, and I love the way you think, and I love the way you interview. In fact, I want you to interview everybody on my team. See, that's not going to make me any money, but here's what it is. Leadership is influence. Nothing more and nothing less. That means if I can walk into that office place and be a lighthouse, in that spot, I have the authority of Thor's hammer. That's influence. That's what I'm here for. It's not about income as much as it's about impact and influence. And as long as I can get close enough to be able to respire, I can change your life. Because I have the words to give life. And the reality is, here's the way he said it, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, never perceiving, ever hearing, never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? He didn't like those people. They think they deserve to be forgiven. Say that again. He wanted them destroyed. He wanted them destroyed. you got to listen to the nuance in that truth, because that is the deepest truth. Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh, because if I go and I preach, They'll repent and you'll forgive them. And I don't want them forgiven. I want them dead. That's right. I shared a video. My wife and I were scheduled to go to Nigeria in November, and the funding didn't come through in time for us to meet all the deadlines. So we had to back out of the trip. But I got a video from one of the guys on the ground there. Uh, we've had all kinds of news stories security teams that are, that are attacked and shot to death so that the missionaries can be accosted. Uh, uh, one of them was a Bible translator. He was set on fire and burned to death alive in front of his family, and then his wife's arms were cut off so that she couldn't continue to spread the gospel. One of the videos that I had was a young lady who refused to recant her faith, and her head was sawed off with a machete live on video. And so I showed this to a guy who was thinking about helping to financially support the trip, and I said, let me ask you this question. How do you respond to the guy with the machete in his hand? He said, I'd love to punch you in the face. I'd love to return the favor. I said, think about that for a second. I go to the men's room. And I came back. I said, so as you had a time to think about it, what would you do? And he said, you know, I'm just sitting here going through all the scenarios of how I might find that guy, meet that guy, and re return the favor. I said, you know what God's thinking about that guy? He said, no. I said, 2 Peter 3 and 9, I'm not slow. <laughs> I ain't slow. <laughs> but I'm patient. Because I'm not willing that any would perish. God loved the world so that everyone, right. everyone, whosoever will. So what does God think about that guy? One fool on one side said, you ain't got nothing. You're claiming to be God. You ain't got nothing. You can't even help yourself. One on the other side said, I get it. I deserve this. He doesn't. Take me with you. He said, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. In fact, I'll see you today. On the other side, I'll see you today on the other side. That, my friends, is influence. And that's what leadership is about. There's not one of you, not me, not anybody I know, could have done what must be done on the cross. Nobody was worthy. There was nobody who pedaled on the downhill. The man was
was doing miracles and casting out demons. He looked at the storm and went, shut up. Serious. <laughs> and the storm went, oh, <laughs> Excuse me. I wasn't thinking. Right? He could have pedaled on the downhill or he could have just coasted. He had all the authority in the world. Literally. In Matthew 28, though, what did he say? He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he said, I'm giving it now to you. That's right. You pedal on the downhill. You do what must be done. You be the lighthouse and stand your ground without any questions. That's your job. You're the only one with Thor's hammer. And set the pace. Our little church opened a new campus yesterday, first service. The uh, ballroom that we rented holds 790. We brought in 50 chairs extra. <laughs> and still have people standing in the hallway on opening service. Because here's what I know. When I first started attending that church, um, I went to the the new class for new belief, the new members to the church just to see if you want to be a member or not. And there were 300 people in there and I went, are y'all do this once a year or what? He said, no, we do it every month. I'm like, every month or like every month? He said, no, every month. I said, how often is it 300 people? He goes, every month. I'm like, why? And he's like, I don't know. So I asked God. And God said, let me ask you this. Mother's Day comes. Where's the line? McDonald's or Olive Garden? That's good. I said, they don't line at McDonald's on Mother's Day. Mom don't want to eat that stuff. He said, there's a line where they're getting fed and the food is good. Fifty chairs, people still stand in the hallway because the food is good and people are getting fed. People are starving right now for leadership yes, that won't coast, lose balance, and fall over. How many of you know a leader who fell in the last year? Because they don't have Thor's hammer. They don't have the authority of moral character. They've never stood their ground as a lighthouse to go, I'm not moving from here. How many leaders do you know who haven't been willing to do what must be done? How many leaders do you know who are unwilling to set the pace? They want to follow the trends. They want to go where everybody else is going because this is the popular movement of the day. How many of you know leaders right now who are walking out of the platform, walking away from the pulpit, laying down the Bible, going, I'm not sure I ever really believed that. But they've already got two or three million dollars in the bank from the albums they sold and the churches they launched and the people they preached to and evangelized and pleased. Not one word to return void. Not one. And every one carries the authority of Thor's hammer. But you don't have a right to play with it. Unless you put these four things in practice and understand the only right you have is because he did what you couldn't do. Otherwise, you got nothing. You got nothing to bring to the table. You got no authority to operate in. But if you accept what he did that you can't do, 
all authority on heaven and earth is yours. It's all yours. There's a promise. My pastor brought this out yesterday. So when I heard this, I kind of shuddered a little bit. My wife and I have been talking about it. <clears throat> I asked her her opinion on it. And I, I saw something in it she didn't see. And he didn't really preach on it. He just kind of passed by. You ever have those nuggets? Yeah, yeah, Somebody's yeah, like walk yeah. by and they're like, Give me that. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a minute. That's what, that's what this was. So in the same passage, Mark chapter 4, down in verse 35, he says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Leave the crowd behind and got the boat just as he was. Pastor brought that up. That was good. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch the uh, Gateway Service, Pastor Robert, from yesterday. Pretty powerful stuff. So there were the boats, fury squall came up, people stormed said, So, you ever have uh, elementary age kids, you can scream at them all you want to, they just scream louder, and you look at them and go, That's it. You're like, <laughs> Right? That's, that's, I don't know if you know this or not, every time Jesus encountered a demon, he says, Shut up, get out. That's right. That's nonsense, right? That's what he said to the storm. Two, same words, in fact, if you look them up. The one that baffles me is in 35. Because my pastor said this, kind of in that little tossing a nugget on the ground. He said, two words you always got to remember, the first word and the fresh word. First word and the fresh word. And in this verse 35, he gives them the first word. He says, we're going to go to the inside. And I thought, yeah, so. He said, no, you understand if I come to you and say, hey, let's have lunch, let me take you to lunch. Are those a little different? Yes. Let's have lunch. That might be on you. It might be Dutch. Might be I'm expecting you to buy. But let me take you to lunch is a whole different thing. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Do you think there was ever a question in Jesus' mind whether or not they were going to actually reach the other side? Yeah. See, he just, he's a casual statement. We're going to go to the other side. And the storm is going to do what I tell it to. And the waves, they're going to shut up. And whatever else comes up between here and there, I'm telling you, we are going to the other side. This is not a question. There's no debate. We are going to the other side. Let's go to the other side. I got this. Whatever comes up, I got this. That was the first word. And the first word, he said, be still. I got this. Let me just remind you, when you're on that downhill and you're coasting, Here's an absolute guarantee. Life is not all downhill. There's an uphill coming. That's right. And what do you think is easy right now about fitting to face conflict? Whereas Les Brown says, you're either in trouble, you're coming out of trouble, or you're headed into trouble, and chances are probably all three at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Leaders do what must be done. Whatever task is in front of you, get busy doing it. He may have already told you we're going to the other side, but that doesn't stop the storm from coming until right. he tells the storm to stop. So you better be ready to hold on, batten down the hatches, and wait through until God says, shh, because it's coming. Set the pace. If there's something in your life that you know for a fact, God said, let's go to the other side, and you're sitting there with your heels up waiting for somebody else to come alongside you and push. <laughs> That's not what you were here for. I gave you the power. I gave you the authority. I gave you the first word. I told you. Go! Why are you waiting? Why? 
if I told you to wait? Why are you moving? That's good. Last story. I stopped at a red light about 2 o'clock in the morning coming back from a kid's event. It was at the corner of Denton Tap and 121. I don't know if you've ever been in that intersection, but if you're headed south on Denton Tap, 121 crosses at more than a 45-degree angle, and it is a blind spot for about a quarter of a mile. We sat there at that light in our green suburban, and the light turned green. And I am the guy, most of the time, I'm trying to race whoever decides, I don't care what it is. <laughs> the light turned green, and someone said, no, no. Come on. <laughs> and while I'm sitting there, an ambulance came through, lights and sirens blaring. He was out of my view. And he came through that intersection. They're not much going to hit a full-size suburban and knock it over. Ambulance at 70 miles an hour. I was 15 years old on Forest Lane and Webb Chapel, cruising on my motorcycle. I pulled up at that red light, little 65 Mustang convertible pulls up beside me, revs his engine. I looked over him, I'm like, I got two wheels, you got way too much weight, you ain't got a chance. Light turned green, I floored it and I dumped it and I was in third gear and nearly fell over. Boom! He took off, and a Ford F-150 ran the light, hit him broadside, spun around the seventh house. If I'd been beside him, I wouldn't be here. Something told me, if I gotta be the angel in front of that donkey, you need to wait, 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 go. You gotta be close enough to hear. You gotta understand that sometimes those parables are for you and not for the outsiders. But when you get them, when you hear them, do what must be done. Stand your ground. I know that you have the authority of Thor's hammer in your hand. Father, we thank you that your word is the lighthouse. Your word is never changing, never moving, and always shining bright in the darkest of storms. Thank you that you did what must be done that we couldn't do. Thank you for peddling on the downhill, for not taking it easy when we had every right to. Thank you for loving us enough to put Thor's hammer in our hands, the authority to crush the evil one, to break his back, to set liberty captives, to allow those who are sick and hurting to be made whole in your name. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. But Father, more than anything else, here's what I pray for the people in this room today and those who are watching online. That today you would give them a chance to climb up in your lap and call you Daddy. Abba. To lay their head against your chest. To hear your heartbeat. To hear you whisper in their ear, I love you so much. And I got this. We thank you for these things by the blood of the Lamb. Work on the cross in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.